This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the wrap-up. If you haven't been here before, this is the official Raptors Republic live post-game show where we recap, we dissect, and we have some fun. Hopefully, we can get some fun out of talking out of this game. Um, I'm your co-host, Hall Abdi, again, here with none other than Oren Weisfeld. I'm not going to do the man, the myth, the legend. I'll just do that on wins. How about that? The man, the myth, the legend will come on during the wins. Or right, tonight, though, uh, the Raptors were defeated by the Brooklyn Nets, 116-103. to 103. That brings the Raptors' record to... Here comes the anxiety, 26 and 36 on the season. Um, yeah, Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant's back. Um, I kind of got a shiver down my spine, Oren, when pregame I saw Blake Murphy's tweet. And I saw that, you know, Kevin Durant, <clears throat> his, uh, his minute load was going to increase a little bit. I think he got 28 minutes on his first game back versus the Suns. I think he dropped something like 32 or something like that. Um, Kevin Durant wasn't, he didn't even really do all that much in this game, kind of took a backseat to the, to the role players, uh, Jeff Green, Joe Harris, but I mean, Kevin Durant doesn't necessarily have to have a, a Kevin Durant game for him to have an impact simply because of the offensive attention, uh, he demands from, from a defense. Um, this game was a roller coaster though, Oren. It was run after run after run. Raptors run, Nets run, Raptors run, Nets run. Um, specifically, though, Orin, in the third quarter, um, I started talking crazy on Twitter because I was like, yo, the Raptors are back. Kyle Lowry's going crazy. Like, finally, we're getting that Kyle Lowry, that all-star Kyle Lowry after, I feel like, a couple of games. Maybe he struggled. Um, yeah. But I truly believed, Orin. I believed in the third quarter, and then we saw uh, something we're very used to from the Raptors this season, a fourth quarter capitulation a fourth quarter uh shit show a fourth quarter I'm trying to think of uh, better adjectives it was just all bad in the fourth quarter um we saw mike james who by the way was just in what country was it or was it russia? russia yeah he was just in russia with cska moscow if i'm not mistaken and um i mean what two games into being a brooklyn net, three games into being a brooklyn net he turns into um michael jordan in the fourth quarter versus the Raptors, the Raptors started blitzing Mike James, um, Kevin Durant wide open, Joe Harris, who's quite possibly earned the best catch and shoot player in the entire league. I'm starting to believe that. Um, he was wide open, hit a couple threes. Oren, uh, what did you like from this game? <laughs> or what did you not like, I should say, from this game? What stuck out to you the most? 
Uh, I guess not like was Fred and Pascal. Oh, um, yeah. I'm already looking at the comments. And and I said to you before we started recording, Oren, we're going to see a whole lot of Pascal slander in the comments. And yeah. honestly, it might be deservedly so this time. Yeah, like you saw Kyle be aggressive early, considering it's the second night of a back-to-back, and he's kind of been taking a backseat recently. It made sense, and it was huge for the Raptors, I thought. Getting the start that they did was mostly on Kyle's back, but then... I was weirdly confident going into the end of the game. I just felt like the Raptors had, you know, I don't know. I, I just like their starting group so much. It's playing so well. It, it it really had a good start to the game. The starters have been winning the minutes in each of the past few games that they play. So I was kind of confident once they get to the last five minutes, put the starters in, um, but they'll kind of, that's when it was tied. I thought they could kind of, make a run, maybe beat Brooklyn, even though Brooklyn obviously has a great closing group. But yeah, they they just fumbled the bag at the end. Like they they were turning the ball over. Um uncharacteristic stuff, honestly, from from Pascal and, and Fred. Yeah. Those guys had truly, truly terrible games. Like it's hard to even put it into context. They shot a combined um combined six for thirty three oh from the field six for 33 oh. the rotations were all over the place because og got into foul trouble early so yeah you know at one point when when the next went on a run it was because it was a fred plus bench unit which are really suspect they always have been and like i have to give nurse some hell here because I'm just looking now, and Fred played 42 minutes, game high. And I don't understand why. Like, well, what did he see from Fred this game that made him say, okay, he'll play the most minutes for us, more than OG, more than Lowry, more than Pascal. Like, And Flynn only had 21, and I thought Flynn was great from the start. So I think that's just sticks out to me in the box score. Fred should not have played that long because – you know, you give your veterans the benefit of the doubt and you give them a longer leash. But if he's bad, he's bad. And you just got to pull him at a certain point, right? Fred was a minus 17, Oren. Um, and the rest of the starters, other than Siakam was a minus nine. You know, Kyle only a minus four. Kem Birch only a minus one. By the way, everyone's a minus in this game, um, except for Rodney Hood, who I'm not sure. It says he... He was 0 for 1, but I don't even remember him in the game, but it says zero minutes played, so I don't know. DeAndre Bembry was a was a zero as well, so but he played four minutes. Everyone is a minus in this game, but if you really were watching from start to finish, you knew the best players on the court were Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi, probably Kem Birch. Malachi looked really good at points in the game. Um, but Fred and Siakam, you could make a case, Oren. They were clearly the two worst players on the court, maybe in the entire game. Um it's yeah. it's uh, and it's one thing with Fred. I see it. Like I I understand that Fred isn't necessarily like Kyle, where um, when Kyle's not shooting well, he can affect the game in so many ways. Sometimes it feels like when Fred's not shooting well, um, you're not really getting that much more from Fred. And I don't know. Like he had, did have six rebounds and five assists, but it just feels like his impact, his actual true impact on the game, isn't there. Uh, like Kyle Lowry's is. And I don't know, man, I'm getting kind of concerned with Fred Van Fleet because um, 
it feels like a lot of the games this season, man, he's shooting 39%. We had to search that up in the beginning of the game, uh, or sorry, beginning of this uh, broadcast, because, Oren, I was genuinely worried about Fred's game, where I was thinking to myself, you know, Fred's either super hot or he's completely off. Like, there's no in-between with Fred. Um, you know, four for 17 in this game. His last game, he didn't shoot well. I don't know, man. It just and and it's and it's crazy to me, Orin, how he's shooting thirty-seven percent from three this season, and he's shooting thirty-nine percent, just two percent more from the entire field, which is pretty concerning, Orin, for the simple fact that that tells you that inside the three-point line, Fred is not a very good basketball player in terms of his scoring output, um, in terms of his efficiency inside the three-point line, and we've talked about it before. What we think um, he can add to his game. I don't know, man. It just it was a very, very bad game. With Siakam, it was kind of understandable. And and I know that's kind of a cop-out because he did go two for 16, but he hasn't played well all year. Like he's been terrible all year at the end of back-to-backs, like bad. Um, I asked, you know, people on Twitter uh if someone could find me Siakam's three-point percentage um on the second game of back-to-backs uh this season. And you know, before tonight, Oren, he was shooting 18.5% from three. Wow, someone um, found it. Someone Shout found it. Them. And, and yeah. I, again, I, I don't know 100% how accurate that is, but... I, I believe mean, it. It's cite that it was five for 27. So I think that, he's up to like 30% on the year, so that would make sense on second night. Yeah, and it's, it, yeah and it's bad because there's a lot of, there's been a lot of back-to-backs this year. This is a compact COVID schedule, and... You're starting to see now, or in why teams are starting to leave Pascal open, or why they're not even closing out when he's the last, you know, pass um, from the Raptors. I don't know, man. I'm uh, this isn't something where I'm going to get super worried because again, Brooklyn Nets are probably the best team in the league right now. Um, but this is a game again. I think the Raptors could have won. Uh, it wasn't even necessarily Fred and Siakam shooting really poorly, or it was that they were missing a lot of shots that they probably could have hit. Siakam, yeah. I don't know if Siakam even hit a three in this game. Um, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, no, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. So and it's and and Fred got a lot of open looks from three, and he was three for twelve. So I don't know, man. And and it sucks that it's like every game or in you get a really good Pascal game, really good Ananobi game, and then you get nothing from Fred and Kyle. And yeah. then you get a good Kyle and 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 uh, Ananobi game, and you get nothing from Siakam and Fred. So. No, it's exactly true, and I think oh. the the Fred worrying is it's a it's fair, but I think he does most games give you stuff even when he's not scoring. But mm-hmm. tonight was kind of uncharacteristic, I thought. But I also think a little bit of it is on the coaching staff for putting him in he in these positions where they ask him to be, you know, sometimes just the bench in him. He's the only real p- playmaker on the floor. Or even if Malachi is on the floor, he's he doesn't have the ball. Fred has the ball in his hands the whole time. And like I think that's just too big of a role for Fred to play. And I was kind of surprised today in a game like today. He just didn't like seem to be cognizant of the fact that he was having a bad game and kind of get other people involved instead. He just kept shooting. Like he had the most shots on the Raptors. 17 shots. That's the most for the Raptors. So that should never happen. Like OG or Kyle should have had the most shots tonight. And that's kind of where the Raptors have been all season, struggling to figure out this balance, struggling to figure out, okay, how do we highlight the guy who's hot right now? 
and put it in their hands and run stuff through them. And they were for like a lot, they were giving OG a lot of post-ups, getting a lot of good stuff from that. They were running Kyle and Birch pick and rolls, getting good stuff from that. But as soon as, as soon as those guys sat on the bench or as soon as, you know, Fred got the ball in his hands, they just weren't playing smart. Like Pascal and, and Fred just had, you know, not very smart game, but it was kind of uncharacteristic, but I'd say the Raptors as a whole, I'm going to just pull up shamelessly pull up my own tweet here from before the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bring that up. Oh, you might got to, you might have to zoom in for us. No, I did the wrong thing. Wait. Get... Oh, wait, here we go. One sec, everyone <laughs> share screen. And okay. So um, I just think like, Against the Nets, the Raptors had kind of a bad game plan because you have to beat the Nets inside. They have no rim protection, even though they played Durant at center a lot. We've seen the blueprint to beat the Nets. Oh, we've seen the blueprint to beat the Nets. (laughs) And uh, it's not by taking threes. Like, it's by being Joel Embiid and scoring 40 points. It's by being Bam and getting a game high. It's by being what Siakam did to them earlier this season, which is just going inside again and again and again. And like tonight, Siakam did that a bit, but as soon as he wasn't getting the foul calls, he started being hesitant and stopped going inside. And the Raptors, I think, just going to check here, they shot, you know, 43 feet threes out of their 91 shots. So almost half of their shots came from three. And I just don't think that's the strategy to beat the nets. I think first you got to beat them inside establish that, you know, you can, you can score in the paint. And then once they're worried about that, then you could start swinging it out to open shooters. And, you know, the Raptors got pretty good shots tonight, but I just felt like there was way too many times where they shot a contested three instead of taking someone off the closeout and just getting to the rim and, and doing more with it. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't entirely understand the game plan against the nets. It's like when DeAndre Jordan's out the game, who's, you know, again, I wouldn't even consider him an elite rim protector anymore. He was that for the Clippers. But, I mean, just his sheer size, he's not in the game anymore. Blake Griffin is probably the biggest guy on the court for the Nets. And at times, honestly, Oren, it was Jeff Green. And that's crazy to me because when you really think about it, it's, it's, you know, if Jeff Green's the biggest guy on the court, and the Raptors aren't taking advantage. And and they did take advantage, I think, on the glass. That's one thing we have to give the Raptors credit yeah, for. They did really say. well. Yeah, they did so they really well. 15, 15 offensive rebounds, 47 yeah. rebounds in total out-rebounded them. Yeah, and, and and those obviously, those offensive rebounds just mean more shots, shots for Toronto. And they, they shot eight more shots. They shot 91 total shots. And Brooklyn had 83. So, you know, that you got to take advantage of that. Kem Birch alone had nine offensive rebounds. So six came from the rest of the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, Kem Birch almost got a double-double with just offensive rebounds. Um, he, I thought, played a really good game. He was doing everything he could on the glass to take advantage of a guy like Jeff Green boxing him out. Exactly. And you can see that, that, yeah, the Nets were getting frustrated. Blake Griffin was getting frustrated. We all know Blake Griffin. He's still a talented guy. He's, he's extended his range. It doesn't really seem like he misses threes anymore. Um, but his athleticism zapped and he's not a force on the glass like he used to be back in LA or even, you know, that season and a half um, where he was playing like a, an all NBA superstar with Detroit, with Detroit until he started what take, I don't know what people are saying. There's some people are saying he took games off. I don't know. I think he was just frustrated. 
injuries were piling up. Um, but it, it's it's unfortunate, honestly, for Toronto. It's it's very unfortunate that you shoot more shots than the team, you out rebound them significantly, um, but you just don't take it up, take advantage. Forty three three point attempts, Oren, against a team that's you know their biggest guy on the court was Jeff Green for half the game. Like that's that's crazy to me. And and this is where I think Oren, if you know, if the Raptors, if they were, if the if these Brooklyn Nets were playing the Raptors of old. You're going to see a guy like Serge Ibaka have that high 20-point game, you know, 27, 26 points, simply because no one can stop him down low. Absolutely nobody. Um, and unfortunately enough for Toronto, they had a late late third quarter run, and the juice just ran out. And the weirdest thing with Toronto, I think, this season has been that, you know, when guys like Fred and Siakam are struggling, the Raptors constantly go to them again and again and again, simply because guys like Kyle Lowry have been, you know, relied upon the entire game and you have no one else to really go to. You're not going to go to Utah Watanabe unless he's wide open for a shot. You're not going to go to Stanley Johnson, who, again, I don't even understand why he was um, in this game, but that's a whole other story. It's a second game of a back-to-back. I'm not going to give Nick Nurse trouble for that. Um, but it, there's just it's just so many things wrong that happened in that fourth quarter, Oren, that I was so disappointed about, especially – with Kyle and OG literally telling the team to get on their back. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate, man. Super unfortunate. Um, no, it, I, yeah. I'm with you. I was I, ha- I was hopeful going into the fourth quarter, and then it was just mistake after mistake after mistake. But, I mean, we can, we can show some plays here and highlight some of the good. Yeah. Because there was actually a lot of good, I think, to come out of that game, especially... especially to highlight two people. Um, you know what? No. One more bad thing before we get into the good. <laughs> one more, one guys. more bad one thing. More. This was kind of the dagger to me. And I just don't understand. Like, I know they were full full court pressing, but why double team Mike James here? You know, okay, First now all, okay, let me Leo stop did you. not Lord, shut wait, up wait. about Mike James. But yeah, Lord, Lord, okay. let me stop you. Wait, wait, wait. Let me stop you because this is hilarious. Because on this play, I was on Twitter. And I follow uh, Matt Brooks, right? He's a Nets. He's a Nets writer. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't know if anyone else follows him. Very, very good Nets writer. He covers the Brooklyn Nets for Nets Daily. Does really good film study for that team as well. And he was dying um, at the fact that that Raptors were truly blitzing Mike James. And this is with Kevin Durant. And I'm pretty sure that's Kyrie Irving being guarded by Malachi Flynn right there as well. And Joe Harris. Floor. And that's and Joe thing. Harris. Joe Harris. At first, oh. I was like, "Oh no, you can't give Joe Harris an open three. And then they, he closed out to him, and it was like, "Oh, who's down in the corner?" Kevin Durant. It's just like, why are we blitzing this? It's too easy of a swing, <sighs> swing three, and and that's the game right there. So like, and I and I know that's not on Malachi. I know the game plan in these situations. Nurse likes to be extremely aggressive. You know, they were full court pressing for a while now. He asks for that double, and you know. There's certain situations where I like the aggression, but you don't need a blitz Mike James. <sighs> if anything, you know, blitz a Kyrie, blitz a KD, get it out of their hands. But don't don't blitz Mike. <laughs> Not Mike. <laughs> like if there's one guy on the court, Orn, I'm okay with the Nets saying, you know, like they won the game because of that guy. If it's Mike James, let it be. Like right. if you lost because of Mike James, you don't want to be that team that allows a wide open Kevin Durant corner three. 
um, in the midst of a run. Like, what are you doing? And if there's like two or three guys in the league out of maybe like 15 I would choose never to leave wide open for three. It's probably Kyrie, Joe Harris, and Kevin Durant. Like, those three yeah. guys are absolute sharpshooters. Yeah, and to be fair to the Nets, I thought, like, man, they scare the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> like, James Harden isn't even playing, and they're so – they play these lineups because they didn't play DeAndre at all today, I think, smartly. They play these lineups that always, like, especially when Blake's sitting and it's Jeff Green at the five, they have insane shooting, like, insane floor spacing – that the Raptors you saw today, it's just too hard to make the rotations because everyone is so far spread out. And obviously, Katie and Kyrie demand so much attention that it's easy to bend the defense. And yeah, like obviously, Joe Harris had a great night. He he shot um, four of nine from three. But that's what you kind of expect on the looks he was getting. Anyways, I got some better stuff to share with everyone here. Nice. Let's bring up the mood a bit. Yeah, what by do you the want way, to do? Warren, by, by the yeah. way, I don't want to stop you, but didn't you find it funny when the Nets got Harden or even when they paired Kyrie uh, with Kevin and, and everyone is complaining about, oh, there's only one ball in Brooklyn. Well, look at that play if you think there's only one ball because everybody's sharing the ball there. Yeah, yeah, those guys have really bought in and they're not they're just they're just playing team ball. But in the in the comments, a lot of people are talking about OG. So. Oh yeah, we Let's got talk a about whole debate going on with OG. Yeah, we got a, I think it's a Siakam OG debate. <laughs> who has a better ceiling? Which is always the debate on Raptors Twitter. But this was definitely the OG play that uh, that stood Ooh. out. Just going at Ooh. KD, and I mean, he was great all game. Unfortunately, he ran into foul trouble, which was the only reason that he played 32 minutes and kind of messed up the rotations. But when he was in the game, he was probably the best Raptor. Look how that play starts, though, Warren. Did you did you notice how that play even started? Kem Birch offensive rebound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that was Kem Birch the entire game. So man, he was. Just, I'm looking at the great. game. There's not a guy in there that could stop him. Like Jeff Green is is him and Durant are the two biggest guys in the court, and Durant's not helping on on the glass. You know, on his second game back from from being out for however long, like he's not going to be that guy who's going to be in the paint all game long. So shout out to Ken Birch for even starting that, and then shout out to OG for a nasty, nasty move. Um, his dribble package, Oren, is getting so much better, man. He did get blocked. I'm not gonna lie, a couple times by Durant. Um, it kind of looked like he ran out of ideas for what to do, but OG was not doing that last year, and he most definitely wasn't doing that the two years prior to that. Yeah, and they they started going to OG in the post uh, towards the end of the game because he was so hot and. He was either bullying guys or they, they were sending doubles and he threw one out to Malachi for an open three. He's becoming really scary down there because a lot of teams defend him with like, you know, at, at one point in this game, they had um, Laundry Shamit on him. So they'll teams will have twos or threes on him that are just not very big and OG will just bully them in the post. So that's becoming a huge part of the Raptors offense. And I think you're only going to see that part grow because the Raptors are like a walking mismatch when they play Siakam and OG together. As soon as a team switches, uh, they tend to have like a guard on one of those players and those each of those guys can just bully in the post and make the simple read. Obviously, OG has a lot of room to grow as a playmaker like Siakam mm-hmm. has this year, but you know, it's only going to come with reps. And the other yeah. OG play... Oh, yeah, the other OG play was just nice ball movement from the Raptors here. I love it. I love it. 
And this ended, I think, in a Utah three. But yeah, this is good recognition from OG talking about playmaking. Just to not force anything and to pass up a okay shot for a great shot. Could have easily shot that right there. Easily. I wouldn't even be mad at him. But you have Utah, who again, guys, I'm going to mention it. That positional awareness by Utah. He's always in the right place at the right time. Um, I'm going to watch this and see where Utah starts. So he starts in the corner, drives, kicks it, and he's just sitting in that corner, wide in that corner. Um, Could have easily cut and went straight into Blake Griffin, but stayed in that corner, stayed solid, and hit the three. And honestly, I was kind of worried, Oren, because I don't like OG passing up semi-open threes because I feel like semi-open for OG is much better than wide open for like the most most guys on the team. So, um, yeah. And that's a shot. That's a shot OG probably takes early in this season. Um, yeah. When the when just the ball wasn't coming to him as much and he needed to kind of force some more shots in order to get them. But now he's such a part of the offense that he can get his like young teammates involved more and act more as like that veteran kind of. So OG had a great game, obviously did well on KD as well as you can. Um, the other guy I thought was really good was Malachi, who... I was talking yesterday about how he can't just be a fourth quarter player. He needs to kind of bring it all, all game. And I think he brought it from the start of this game. I think he deserved more minutes. I thought he should have played for Fred a little bit. And I want to say, watch this clip. Basically Malachi is who Fred thinks he is. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when it only when it comes to taking big men off the dribble. Okay, there we go. There, there, so that's the rest man. of the sentence I was waiting for. There we go. Oh no, yeah, definitely not overall. But when it comes to taking bigs off the dribble, the reason that Malachi is so much better than Fred already is not necessarily because he has like a better burst or first. Sorry, not because he has a better first step. I say they're pretty similar. They can both usually get past bigs, but yeah. when when Fred gets past, Ooh. the help comes because he's slow. And when, mm-hmm. when like, you can just see here, when he gets past, I mean, this might not be a great example, but when Flynn gets past, he's at the rim before the help even comes. So that's the big difference. And and Malachi taking bigs, like, on an island, that's, that's a pretty consistent win for the Raptors. I was going back and forth, Oren, um, between, like, the TV broadcast and then... I, the broadcast I, I, I was terrible. Before, I love watching... Sorry opposite teams oh, i hear you i love watching uh, opposite teams the opposing teams i should say their broadcast just to again hear like how they speak about toronto if they're really keeping up with toronto sometimes they're totally not and um yeah. but the nets uh, commentators i give them credit like they were during the game they're bigging up og talking about how he's been playing in the last month right um og i think in the i think with og i know you were talking about flynn and i will get to him og for me Oren has become a consistent, I want to say, third option, um, possibly a second option. He's almost becoming a guy that um, is giving me early Pascal vibes. And I'm not saying because of the way they play, but just the the reliability factor that Toronto can get from OG. He's been consistent, man. This isn't like a 26-point, next game, 11 points. Next, It's like it's a consistent 20-plus um, over and over and over again for OG. And for me, this is this is the tweet, Oren, for me that, that stuck with me. And I was hoping someone would do this eventually. 
um, post OG's monthly stats. And that there it is. Last five, OG's 22, four and a half rebounds, two assists. I don't know what a stock is. I'm assuming <laughs> steals and blocks. Okay. Steals and blocks. Okay. Wow, thanks. Did not know that. Just learned a new thing. 50%, 56% from the field, 41% from three, 90, 93% from the free throw. And then the last 15, 18, 5, and 3 with a couple stocks. Did not know that was a thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Assad here says OG's going into a legit number two on offense. And then he just gets into his regular Raptors optimism uh, stuff. So, yeah, man. OG's for real. Malachi looks like a legitimate bench point guard option for toronto um obviously not ready to start Uh, i don't want people to go that far or to say you know think about benching fred van fleet or anything like that that's not happening but eventually Oren, down the road i'm gonna ask you this question and you might scoff you might but when gary trent jr gets healthy do you do you consider Fred Van Fleet as the sixth man off the bench and have him lead, you know, a mixed up second unit with starters, maybe with Kyle or maybe with Siakam? Do you do that? Because I don't know, man. I don't hmm. know. No, it, uh, it makes I some that sense. Might help Gary Trent as well. You know, I'm looking yeah. at it from the other perspective where it might help Gary because Gary, you know, we see how he plays the starters, but when you pair him with a bench unit, he doesn't look all that great. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Fred's a twenty-one million dollar guy, so I don't know if Nick Nurse goes there, but something I don't know. I think don't think he was. Nick loves Fred, as loves evidenced him. by the fact that he, he played him. him the most tonight, and he was one of the worst players on the court. But I don't think it happens. Also, because the set, the the starting lineup with Birch has been so good, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to want to move away from that. Um, and I get wanting to help Trent out, but Trent kind of you don't you don't change your whole scheme around Trent. He has to figure it out within that. So I don't see that happening, but there's definitely like, yeah, there's, there's definitely like a a case to be made maybe even next season that if they keep Kyle, especially either Kyle or Fred comes off the bench, um, get more size on there and and just kind of have, yeah, like a point guard coming off the bench so the rotations make a little bit more yeah. sense. But again, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean, Oren, that I'm saying Fred should be benched or that he, you know, Malachi should be getting his minutes or anything even close to that. I just think, you know, you still close with Fred, right? Fred's a yeah. pretty good closer. He's not he's done some clutch things for the Raptors over the last three years. So it's not necessarily that I'm saying, you know, I'm just thinking from from both perspectives where it's like maybe you try it out in in what's Honestly, Oren looking more and more like a lost season. I'm not ready to go there yet. Yeah, this was a big loss. Yeah, it this is a big huge. loss. This is huge. And and you needed this win because you got Denver. It's Tuesday night now. You got Denver on Thursday night. Um, Durant took seven shots only. And the Raptors still lost. Crazy. Um, so that that's yeah, that's insane. The Raptors let Jeff Green, Joe Harris, but again. That you could argue that Jeff Green and Joe Harris had big games because of the attention Irving and Durant were getting defensively, um, as well as Shamit, as well as Blake Griffin. He got a good, good, you know, bench production. I think from from this game, they only went eight deep. Warren, they li- I'm looking at it now. They literally only went eight deep. Chioza wasn't there. 
Uh, TLC wasn't there. DeAndre Jordan wasn't there. Perry, who I'm going to be totally honest, Reggie Perry, I think it is, yeah. wasn't there. Um, eight deep, man. And the Raptors still... Ah. <laughs> well, the Raptors went one, two, three, five, eight, 11 deep. 11 deep. Um, yeah, unfortunate. Uh, very unfortunate for Toronto that they... They got this one. Man, my emotions are zapped right now. I really, truly believe at the end of the third quarter, Orin, we were going to get um, a win. I did. And then even in early in the fourth quarter, and then oh, it this got is a good tweet. Sorry. It got I real just, bad. I found a really funny tweet that I was I was looking for. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, we might get demonetized. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely getting demonetized. Shout out to... Six and um, six. That that was a that was a good tweet. <laughs> yeah, because it was honestly uncharacteristic. Yeah, Brad is not ever that bad. Like on both sides of the ball, like he was just not himself. We always get that picture on Raptors Twitter from somehow, some way. It's not even Raptors Twitter now. It's NBA Twitter. We're always getting that picture when Fred has a bad game. Um, and it's yeah. a picture I don't like seeing. It's a picture that. I probably get nightmares about what I'm not even going to question what this guy's decision-making process was when he was even taking the ankle monitor. I didn't even notice the ankle monitor. Oh my goodness. This is bad. This is all bad. He must, this must've been a bet. He's getting paid like a thousand dollars minimum to do this. Um, Cause that is just, that is crazy. Let's let's, I'm sorry guys. I'm sorry for that. Um, that was bad. Um, that wasn't Fred Van Fleet, by the way. That was someone that a lot of people think is Fred Van Fleet. Let's go to questions. Yeah. Let's go to questions. Yeah, like- Guys, hit us with all of your questions that you would like us to answer, that you would like us to address. Um, I know you guys have a lot of future questions that relate to the draft, that relate to... Uh, what the Raptors are going to do. We got a lot of Masai Ujiri questions yesterday on the first game of the back-to-back. We got some Kyle future questions. Um, if we didn't already answer your question, by the way, guys, I don't know if anyone noticed. They're playing right now. I'm missing the game. So shout out to these boys. I hope they pull through Toronto FC. If any of you guys are Toronto FC fans in the comments, let me know right now because they are playing Cruz Azul. And if, you're not a real fan if you don't have that game on um, because I'm clearly not a real fan because I don't have it on. Um, I, don't, I don't either. Oh, Did you, I missed Champions League today too, actually. Tomorrow, you know what, to be though. honest, ever since the Super League and all that stuff happened with those 12 teams, I've just been so you know, turned off by international soccer, club soccer, Premier League, all that stuff. I'm really just focusing on Toronto FC. Plus, they just got a massive designated player that they just signed. Um, some guy who's like the size of Javinko from Santos FC. If you're a Toronto FC fan, again, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so shout out to Jefferson Soteldo. I hope I said that right. Jefferson Soteldo. Um, yeah, this is what Fred had to say about his play tonight. So like unsurprisingly, totally acknowledges that. Yeah, That's why we can flame him because he he like acknowledges that he had a bad game. Yeah, he says Fred Van Vliet says, uh, "quote I try to leave my body on the line every night, sacrifice for the team, try to get a win. I wasn't very good tonight, but I'm not in the excuse making business. I sucked tonight. My body sucked tonight, and that was probably 
one of the reasons why we lost, end quote. Yeah. We're also getting some questions here. Um, we are. They're starting to flood through. They are starting to flood through. I see the Toronto. I see you, Toronto FC Sensei Music. I see your comment. Don't worry, Toronto FC. Yes. So tell those sick. Absolutely. I'm excited for them too. Uh, Old Man Henry Oren asks, "What do you think the bench rotation should be?" Oh. Because Trent on the bench is similar to Norman when he was on the bench. And before you answer, Oren, a lot of people have been making this comparison where people felt like Nor- starter Norman was better than bench Norman, but. People also forget that Norman was pretty damn good off the bench for like two and a half, three years for Toronto. Um, yeah, I guess exactly. remember recency bias just makes them remember what he did as a starter just before he got traded when he was averaging like 23 or something like that, 24 points per game. Um, what do you think about it, though? What do you think about the bench rotation um, thus far? Do you Do you like the Utah? Do you like the Flynn coming off the bench? You think Nick Nurse should kind of switch it up, maybe try Gary Trent as a starter? No, I think the thing about either Gary Trent or Norman being a starter based on, yeah, they are better with the starters, but that's mostly because they're more like finishers than they don't really help set up their teammates as much as they finish plays. And if you just make them starters, I think you don't solve the fundamental issues with, I guess, their game. Like Mm -hmm. they have to work around that, I think. And and you just want to run your best lineup out there. And I think the five-man unit they're running out now is their best lineup. Like, it's killing teams with yeah. Birch. They have great chemistry. Um, I think in terms of a rotation, I like let's, Flynn. Okay, let's, I, let's name Orin who you're not going to play in the rotation. Let's start with that. Let's get me giddy a bit. No, I'm joking. That's a lot of people. I think, like, th- there's so few games left in the season here. I think it's time to cut the rotation. Like I think Chris Boucher would be huge because he could take Gillespie's minutes and I'd be a lot more comfortable playing like that and playing OG at the five in, in these backup minutes with Boucher mm-hmm. beside him. But until Boucher is back, I think it makes sense to go Gillespie, Utah, JTJ and Malachi and, and play nine men. And if Boucher is healthy, replace him with Gillespie. I think that makes sense, but the weird thing is they still haven't figured out these rotations. Mm-hmm. Um, today it was all over the place, partly because of uh, foul trouble, so that's where I'm at. I think they should keep this five-man unit. It looks great. You know, JTJ's in a shooting slump right now, but he's going to be fine off the bench once he starts hitting some, some shots. It's just they have to figure out how to find him some more open shots without asking him to create too much. But yeah, those would be my my nine players that I would run. How about you? So for you, no no Baines, no Bembry, no Hood, and no Stanley Johnson. Just to make one hundred percent clear. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's that's, fair. that's a dream. That's and I did a couple games ago. If you remember, try making a case for DeAndre Bembry, but I'm off that wagon. If anyone is wondering, um, he struggled a lot in the minutes that he's been given. Just boneheaded turnovers. I'm not sure. He's looked really good at times this season. DeAndre Bembry coming off the bench, even as a starter sometimes this season um, when the Raptors are missing a bunch of guys. But, yeah, I'm off that wagon completely. I think you just go with those nine. Um, let's get to a next question. This, this is kind of related. Um, he says, what do you think Gary Trent – oh, yeah, what do you think Gary Trent needs to add to be a future starter on this roster? We've kind of talked about this. Do you want to take this? Yeah. Um, 
we know Gary Trent is a is a fantastic. He's a terrific spot up shooter. One of the last guys on the Raptors you want to leave wide open. We know he can create off the dribble. He's a really good jump shooter. Um, shot selection is something that Gary Trent Jr. really needs to work on. Um, a lot of people have been calling him a gunner. A lot of people have been calling him a chucker, and you never really want to hear that as an NBA player. Um, but we, I think it's it's clear as day that one of the things Gary Trent Jr. lacks the most is um, his ability to attack the rim. Um, and we've seen flashes where he's done the little floater thing and, you know, he's done different things, but you really want to see an aggressiveness like you see with his shooting, um, with him attacking the rim. Defensively, you know, Oren said it before, he's on and off. He's, he's, I wouldn't consider him, you know, I know a lot of people like those passionate style defenders that, you know, they slap the ground and they do all that crazy stuff. Not to say Gary Trent Jr. does that, but he is very passionate. Um, I think, you know, Gary Trent, Jr., Gary Trent Jr.'s defense is fine. His shooting is fine. I just need to see that third level of scoring from him that can elevate him to that Norman Powell level. And again, we didn't see that full three-level scoring from even Norman Powell until this season. We saw flashes of each level the last couple of seasons from Norman Powell. Gary Trent Jr., I, I want to see that from him. Um, because right now, if you ask me, Norman Powell is a, is a, is a clear-cut starter in the NBA right now with his talent level. Um, but Gary Trent Jr. maybe isn't. I think he's a bench player on, on good teams, and um, I think he's a, he's a starter on not-so-great teams. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And the other thing is he can add a left-hand finish because he's really yeah. hesitant to do that at the rim. He always tries to reverse to his right. And that gets him in a lot of trouble. And then the other thing is like drawing contact. He he very rarely gets to the rim. Um, like his as a playmaker, he's fine. I would say he doesn't turn it over and he makes the the right read pretty often. But yeah, like he 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 rarely he rarely draws contact, even though he's pretty strong and he could initiate it more a little bit. I think, um, but he he's pretty foul averse. He'd rather take like a mid range pull up than go at a, def- a defender who's backtracking. And sometimes he just has to get into those, those defenders arms and try to go to the free throw line, which is something norm, you know, got good at very late in his career. So if you, that's the, like positive is that it's not like over, you are not who you are. Like norm did not become a, a good foul drawer until really this season and last season. And that was like his 26, 27 year old years. I think, I think he's about that old. Um, And, and yeah, so I would say those things. Um, Uh, Let's get to the next. I'm seeing a lot of draft questions. Yeah. Um, I'm not ready to go there. I'm not ready to go there. Like towards the end of the season, we'll definitely get to all those type of questions. If the Raptors are, we don't want to ruin it now. We're in like, we don't want to try it out. No, there's no point. Um, um, is there any other ones about this? There's season? more. Oh, d- I'm just I'm just reading through them. Uh, let's just answer this really quick from James. Yeah. Will there ever be a realistic scenario, Oren, where Lowry stays, but then comes off the bench? I think so. Um, at least in the regular season, kind of like what Miami did with Goran Dragic last year. They kind of switched it up, put him in the starting lineup in the bubble, 
and the playoffs. But before that, he was the sixth man. I think I could see something like that. Like, I think the odds of Lowry being a Raptor next year are better than a lot of people think, just because a lot of contenders don't have cap space to sign him outright. So I think either a sign and trade, sign and trade, or Kyle re-signing with the Raptors to kind of close out his career here, I think is more likely than people are making it out to be. Mm-hmm. And like he he's obviously a very prideful player and good enough to continue starting, but um I think there are yeah, certain situations where it just makes more sense for him to come off the bench, especially because maybe in a vacuum, you'd rather Kyle start and Van Vliet come off the bench, but that's less likely to happen because, you know, Van Vliet is at the beginning of a four-year contract. He's a young player. They're developing. It's very different than Kyle, who you can kind of ask him to come off and do his thing, but I don't think it would Get, be maximizing his value either to to do that. Yeah, I like I like how you made the Goran Dragic comparison. Um, for me, um, I think Kyle right now is a better player than Fred VanVleet, and I think he's much, much, much better than Malachi Flynn. That is an indictment on either player. So for me, as of now, no. Like I'm speaking now on on the future, things can change. Kyle's getting up there in age so you know like when you get up there in age Oren, we've seen it time and time again with with all-star level players that they just there can just be a sudden drop off um but i think with kyle you're not really going to see that you're going to see his his you're going to see him decline but at a very very slow rate kind of like goran dragic um goran dragic at one point or another in his career was like almost all-star level if not like borderline all-star at one point in his career and he's still a very good player now um so yeah, I can I can definitely see Kyle coming off the bench eventually, um, but it really again with the with the options Toronto has at guard in in Fred, um, I'm I'm assuming I don't think I don't know if Bembry's going to be there next year. I'm not 100 percent sure, but two guys that for sure are are Fred and Flynn, and um, I just don't think Flynn is ready to step in and be that guy. And some people might say, hey, Kendrick Nunn was ready for Miami pretty early, um, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I actually like Flynn off the bench because I I keep thinking about Flynn more of a scorer than a than a playmaker. Even though like he makes good reads and he's a good playmaker in the pick and roll, but other than that, he's not like a special playmaker. And I think he has some special scoring ability. And I want to hit on this question about Ken Birch before I forget because I just downloaded. That's an easy video. question. Yeah, we got a late a late clip come in that I want to highlight. This is. Yeah, go ahead. But this was okay. the Raptors' first possession, defensive possession of the game, and I just love what Cam does here. But yeah, you can go ahead and answer it. Here, wait. Here it comes. Here I mean, comes, just y'all. like the big, the biggest thing is that the Raptors love to Ooh. double team. <laughs> yeah, the Raptors love to double team guys like that, KD. But I, I just like how fast Kem gets there, then gets to his man, then contests, and then gets the rebound. Like he did literally everything Aaron Baines can't do in one play. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if that was a. This was his uh, best I game. Like, like, I feel like that was uh, one of the easier questions we've gotten. No, for sure, uh, and, that was. And it. I love Oren that. We continuously find ourselves saying this was Ken Birch's best game. Um, yeah. He's getting more and more comfortable with the guards, with the system, yeah. Um, and they're making it easy for him. Like this isn't—it doesn't look like he's trying super, super hard 
to, to rack up, you know, 10, anywhere from 10 to 14 points and however many rebounds. Um, it doesn't seem like he's trying that hard. He said at the last game, that was the easiest 14 points I've ever had in my career. Um, so for him, this is easy. I feel like he was such an easy, simple puzzle fit into, into this Raptors defense and offense. Um, and, and I know, you know, Kyle really appreciates it. Kyle and Malachi Flynn, um, probably the Raptors' two best playmakers as well as Pascal Siakam. They really, really, um, you know, are not taking for granted having an athletic finisher at the rim like Kem Birch. So yeah, absolutely. and and that was the thing about Baines is just that he wasn't mobile enough to play this way and to double guys and then get back to his rotation. And so Fred, I mean, uh, OG and Siakam had to cover up a lot for him and it just was leading to a lot of mistakes. But Kem can just double team guys like this and then get back to his guy and still rebound. And that's just, that's really what the Raptors ask out of their centers. If you want to boil it down to the basics on defense. And I, I thought this play was really a good highlight of that, but yeah, Kem's been great. I love Kem. I love it. His mom has a podcast. Everyone, everyone should check out his mom. Does have a podcast. podcast. What's it, what's it called? If I'm not mistaken. I forget. Oh goodness. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Orin. Um, let's do this one. Cause I know Phoenix has asked a few questions. Um, he says, do you agree with the statement that Siakam should be in more of an off ball role instead of taking the amount of dribbles he's taking? I'm not sure who made that statement or I don't know if he's just asking that generally. Um, but you're asking if he should be more in an off ball role. Um, I know people get tired of, of Pascal sometimes over dribbling. Um, and, and the fact that you know, offensively, Pascal's game isn't wow. It's not doesn't wow you like Steph Curry's does, or you know John Wall back in the day, or whoever. Like, it's not a wow game. It's a lot of dribbling. It's a lot of finding the soft spots on defense. Some hook shots, some floaters, uh, post ups. Pascal does it all. Um, I feel like the way Pascal's scoring now is fine. I'm totally okay with it. He's pretty efficient in the way he scores. Obviously, if there's one thing I would really want from Pascal this year would be for him to sub- fix his three-point shot. And I'm not sure. That's not to say you know, something's totally wrong with it because last year he shot a very good percentage from three. Um, but this year it's been kind of off. So I don't know if it's like a if he changed something in his shooting form, changes mechanics, or if it's a mental thing, if it's just the entire cold COVID and you know NBA practices in a goddamn hotel ballroom or whatever the hell it is um there's a lot of things going on with the raptors i don't know what it is for pascal i'm not 100 percent sure but um i don't think he should be in more of an awful i'm fine with how nick nurse is using him totally fine me too i actually think like he's judged unfairly for because of this contract you know he has and everything but you know, look into the numbers and Pascal's been the best Raptor this season. It's just pretty clear cut. Like even all of, even like he's ha- he's shooting the three really badly. He's making mistakes on defense. Even with all of these things, he's had the most impact on them winning. If you look at the advanced numbers, if you look at, you know, just, uh, and he's also been really consistent as a scorer recently. This was his first bad game in quite a while. So I don't think it's fair to ask him, like, can he excel off ball? Sure, he did next to Kawhi, and and he'll like maybe on an ideal team he would be a little bit less on ball and and just like 
not the number one guy. And he has struggled at times as the number one guy. I think it's fair to say that he has too much of a playmaking load on him at, at times. But I also don't think like putting him off ball means you're putting who Fred on ball more, because I think that's actually a bigger problem. I think Fred off ball running around screens, shooting three rather than playmaking is actually to me more important than Pascal off ball. Yeah. Fred's such totally a good shooter. Agree. Yeah. Uh, so, so I don't really under, cause if you take Pascal off ball, that means someone else on the team is getting the reps on the ball. Mm-hmm. And the only guy I could make a case for is Malachi Flynn. Malachi, but yeah. other than that, I don't really see anyone needing more usage in, in the playmaking reps like that. Um, yeah. Kyle gets, Kyle gets enough. Uh, deservedly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't know. Maybe you decide that you take away some of Fred Van Fleet's on-ball reps and you hand that to more of Malachi. Maybe you kind of change your system where um, a lot of the plays that that Fred has where he ISOs at the top or takes the high screen roll at the top, you give those to Malachi. Um, and yeah, I agree. I feel like if there's one player um, on this team that probably deserves um, more off-ball opportunities, it's probably Fred and a little less on-ball opportunities. I think that helps Fred's game more. I think when Fred's set as a shooter he's one of the best shooters i think in the league not just on the raptors so um yeah he's shooting 37 percent on i think extremely difficult relative to the rest of the league very difficult attempt so um we're gonna flip yeah. that question and, and say not siakam but instead fred Phoenix has another yeah. yeah he he asks what's og's offensive ceiling do you want to uh, take this one yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just reading the rest of it. I think he can be a number three option on the championship team. Championship team at his peak. What's your take? Um, yeah, I think I, I said it. You know, earlier in the show that you know I think OG can be that number three guy. When I say number three guy, I know people are like, "Oh, well, what's so special about being a number three? I mean, number three on the championship team. Um, and people might think that's insane. Nobody. I don't care, guys. It's so easy to say in hindsight that you were one of those people, but nobody thought Pascal Siakam when we drafted him he'd be a number two option on the championship team. Nobody thought that. I didn't think that. I doubt Oren thought that. Um, Pascal's ascension to becoming um, close to what we saw was a superstar last season, an all-NBA second-teamer, which means he was one of the four best forwards in the league. Um, That type of ascension, I don't necessarily see it from OG. But um, I can see him being a third option. I can see him reaching... Um, I'm not going to go as far as to say, you know, all NBA third team level, um, or just all NBA level in general, but I think OG at his current, you know, progression rate, I wouldn't be surprised to see an all-star or two or three in his, uh, horizon. He's still super young or no. Yeah. He's, he's blown my, uh, expectations out of the water this season. I just didn't think. I always thought his handle was just too robotic. I just never really trusted him on ball. And yeah, he's just, he's really excelled, especially since the Norm Powell trade when he's had a bigger role in the offense. I honestly think like, yeah, OG's ceiling is a second best player or, or yeah, second best. Yeah. Second best player on a championship team. Like that's his ceiling. Yeah. Um, But I think the biggest thing for him now is like, he's not going to do it the same way Pascal did it. You know, Pascal, mm-hmm. it's just, he's, he's shiftier. 
He's longer. He's more athletic. He he's more of a problem at the rim. OG's probably never going to be that good at getting to the rim because he just doesn't have that burst in that step or the dribble package. But he's turned himself into such a good shooter that now I think the next step is like he has to become a better playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it part of it is out of the post ups where they're going to him more, but also at the perimeter, like you could run a lot of dribble handoffs with OG if you could, you know, find guys a little bit more. But right now his playmaking is really limited that anything, if like, you know how they used to put the ball in Mark's hand and yeah. I'd like the elbow and he would kind of dictate the offense. Like I think mm-hmm. OG has that capability in the future. I think that's maybe his ceiling, but he has to go a long way as a playmaker in order to get those reps and be like a hub of an offense. Yeah, for sure. I think OG, it's so impressive that we haven't just seen, you know, one side of or one aspect of OG's game improve drastically um, in terms of his finishing at the rim or even his mid-range game. We knew that he's had potential from his rookie season. We saw the flashes. He had all-NBA defensive potential. Um I'm just going to plug myself. I actually have a yeah. piece on OG and Fred nice. coming out tomorrow for Sportsnet. So be on the lookout Woo! for that. Sportsnet Give it a share. Share it. You know, be on the lookout. Nice. We out here. That's but yeah, I, I talk a lot about OG and where he can kind of develop into offensively. Amazing. I can't wait and to read that. Jesse won't shut up about his question. So no, mint chocolate chip sucks. That's my take. Mint chocolate take? chip is absolutely terrible terrible ice cream um, like, there's so many better options if you're a fan of mint chocolate chip uh, i feel sorry for you um you're eating toothpaste ice cream um and i wish you uh, the absolute best um let's do one more question <laughs> orange because yeah. we've been going on for almost an hour which is pretty crazy because i feel like we do this after losses and it really starts feeling like a group therapy session yeah that's so man. um Jesus. let's do one more i really like this question because it's kind of non-raptors related we can kind of forget that the raptors lost for a bit um, and Jiu-Jitsu Teo, who's mm-hmm. been a staple here, we really appreciate, asks Oren as he's, you know, cracking his spine, um, who's, your most, <laughs> who's your most underrated non-Raptor player in the league? I was so close to saying OG Ananobi until I saw a non-Raptor. Um, that's, that's hard, Oren, because I feel like a lot of the underrated guys this year have been getting attention um, on NBA Twitter and, you know, throughout the media. I, I would say a guy like Michael Bridges or Michael Bridges. I don't know how to say it correctly. I always struggle with his first name. I don't know what the correct mm. pronunciation is. Mikhail, um, I think. Yeah, Mikael Bridges I think, yeah. um, on the Phoenix Suns. I would say that because he is an incredible shooter, one of the better 3 and D players in the league. But he's been getting a lot of, you know, media attention this year, deservedly so. Phoenix Suns are playing great basketball. DiVincenzo, I think, is having a very good year. Um, I really like what Rashawn Holmes has been doing. I feel like the entire Raptors community was talking about Rashawn Holmes prior to the trade deadline. Um, he's one of the more underrated guys in the league. No one's really talking about him anymore because the Kings suck. Um, and if yeah. you're a Sacramento Kings fan, I feel sorry for you. No, that's rude. Um, who are some other guys? What other underrated guys come to mind? For Most you? underrated player in the league is Joel Embiid. Um, <laughs> he's the MVP. <laughs> no, I actually... I'm actually joking, but I I think the fact that everyone is being like, no, Jokic is the MVP. It's not even a conversation. Don't even talk to me. I think like, I think for me, um, 
Embiid's in the conversation. Like he's not just on the ballot. He's genuinely, I would consider him putting number one. But one guy who came to my mind who, you know, just got a max contract, so I don't know how underrated he is, but Drew Holiday. Yeah. Um, Drew Holiday, I so think, good. has made the Bucks really much better. And I think the Bucks are at like for me, it's a toss-up between them and the Nets to come out of the East. I really I'm high on the Bucks. I think they could win a title this season. I think they're that good. And I think they as a team have gone very underrated or under the radar this season. And Drew Holiday, he missed a lot of time because of COVID. I would I would recommend everyone check out uh JJ Reddick's podcast with him recently. They just talk life and basketball and Drew's a really genuine person and mm-hmm. I think um he's changed that team and I I like their chances because of him. There's a lot of guys, Oren, for me who come to mind. Malcolm Brogdon is a guy people have been talking about for a couple of years now, um, but I don't think enough people talk about how good he is just simply because Sabonis, who's I think is the best player on the Pacers, not by you know much, but they're both great players. Brogdon's averaging 20, 21 points, six assists, five rebounds this year with a steal. So that's a guy you know no one really ever talks about. When you talk about Indiana – for the people who do talk about Indiana, which I think is like three people on the planet, um, it's it's DeMontis Sabonis. Jordan Clarkson's having a very good year, but hey, he's looked at as a six man. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins, I think Oren has had a breakout year this year. Yeah. He has looked incredible defensively, um, and he's playing a role for, for Golden State. And I truly believe that Steph Curry's looking around at this team and he's thinking like, if we're going to make this team – you know, a championship team. There's certain guys who have to go and there's certain guys who have to stay. And I think Wiggins has to stay, even at that contract. I think he's been really good. People really need to watch Golden State, watch Andrew Wiggins. He takes the toughest defensive assignment every single night. Um, and he's good. He's been really, really good. I think he's been shooting really well from three. Let me pull up the stats real quick. Back up, back myself up. Yeah, he's um, been good. 18 points per game, 47% from the field, 38% from three, career high, five rebounds, couple assists, a steal, and a block. Um, hey, I, Andrew, if, <laughs> better see uh, you. Yeah. In, I better see you in a Canada jersey this this summer, buddy. Better True. see you there. Also on the Hawks, uh, Kevin Herter comes to mind, as does Clint Capella. Clint Capella is having a crazy good season. People have talked about him as maybe the most impactful Hawk this season uh, based on how much he's played and just how much he mans the center position, rebounds there, and block shots. And the other guy who I'll end it with is a Raptor, and that's OG Ananobi. Not to be, <laughs> yes! not to be a homer, but really, if you sometimes I'm on league NBA Twitter, not Raptors Twitter, and people just don't understand how good he is. Like It's really one of those underrated things where defensively they don't understand how good he is. And offensively, they don't really understand what he's done this season. So he he's yeah. really under the radar, and and t- people are gonna learn about him in the next couple of years, for sure. I think that's especially our... after what he did to Durant today. Honestly, he looked he looked harder for Durant to guard than Durant was for him. Yeah, so. Durant was giving up the ball quite a bit when OG was on him. But hey, Durant, Durant, I'm I'm not taking any shots at him. Durant to me is might be the best score we've ever seen. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. To, to say OG was doing a pretty good job on him probably says quite a bit. Um, I think that'll do it for the questions. I see yeah, your question. Yeah, we gotta go to sleep. 
I see your question, Matthew, about, you know, Mary Browns or Popeyes. And me and Oren are not going to answer that question until we get sponsored by one of the, uh, by one of the two. I've so never Popeyes had Canada, Mary Browns. But, uh, yeah, I, I have. It's very good. Popeyes okay. Canada and Mary Browns, if you're listening, we're not answering that question until, um, until that money starts rolling in. No, I'm joking. Um, that's going to do it for us, though. Um, that was the wrap-up. That was the official Raptors Republic post-game live show. Before you guys leave us tonight, we need you to like, comment, and subscribe to the Raptors Republic channel. Turn on the post notifications if you haven't already. We want to thank our sponsor, Arv Qureshi from Remax, for supporting the show. This was the wrap-up where your Raptors were defeated by the Brooklyn Nets 116-103, to bringing the Raptors record to 26-36 and on the season. I'm your co-host, Sahal Abdi. There's the, the, the great Oren Weisfeld. We'll see you guys Thursday night. West Coast trip coming up. Oh, yeah, late Denver nights. Nuggets. Oh, my goodness. I cannot stay, wait to watch everyone, you Everyone got to stay up late. We'll be on around, like, midnight. Stay but. up late. Stay up late. Drink the coffee. Do whatever you got to do. Denver's coming. Do you got to do. See ya. Take care. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.